John chapter 1. Let's look at, let's look at verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, I just want to look at Nathanael for a few minutes. Nathanael is just an interesting guy that we see in the Bible. And I think that we can see something about Nathanael that is not necessarily apparent by just reading. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And verse 46, so imagine this, Philip shows up to his friend Nathaniel. Philip is the kind of guy, he's a connector. He's connecting people with, with people. And he is, he's bringing Andrew, is the same way Andrew is bringing Peter in. And we have found him, Moses in the law, and also the prophets who are Jesus, now the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. So I think Nathaniel is this kind of guy who's a little bit cynical, kind of a jaded guy. He um, hears about Jesus coming from Nazareth, and he is thinking in his mind, um, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel comes across to me as a guy who's just jaded. He's just disappointed. He's cynical. Uh, he's had some major disappointments in his life. Uh, he's he he can have like this skeptical Jewish um, disposition. And uh, I kind of hear I'm hearing an echo from. Can you guys hear the echo? Yes. Where's it coming from? Uh, Nathaniel is this guy. He's like. Just jaded. He's just cynical. He's just uh, skeptical. And and Philip is excited about Jesus. And then Nathaniel kind of just pours all this water on Philip's uh, testimony and his excitement and said, Oh, what good can come from Nazareth? And he had a point. Nazareth was a town that was sympathetic to the Roman um, governorship, it was a town that wasn't known for. Uh, really, it's um, Jewish patriotism. There's a lot of nasty things about Nazareth. It was kind of like, what good can come from Nazareth? And Nathaniel said, and Jesus said, in, in verse 47, well, before verse 47, Philip says, come and see. Just come and see. I can't explain it to you. Just come and see. And this is really like, this is what evangelism is. This is what, you know, when we are sharing Christ with people, we just are giving them tidbits, and we're saying, you've got to come and see the body. You've got to come and see Jesus Christ. And he says, and so Jesus, so Nathaniel decides to go, verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Okay? Wow. Deceit there is a word that means, like, brokenness or skepticism or, like, double thing. And he's actually addressing Nathaniel in a way that may not even sound right. Because Nathaniel is a cynical, critical, skeptical person. Just a pessimistic, maybe even person about what could come from this town. And verse 48, Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? How do you know me? Like, I'm trying to detect, to detect the tone here of Nathaniel's voice. He says, 
what do you know about me? Like you could have come across like, like, um, you know, what do you know about me? How can you presume to know anything about me? You ever meet anybody like that? You're trying to be sympathetic to them, trying to identify with them, be kind to them, and they just kind of push back, and you're like, like well, what do you know anyway? What are you assuming about me? Like, how do you know me? What do you know about me? How, how can you even say that? That's cynicism. That is brokenness. This is a person that is, that is just disconnected because of discouragement. He's disconnected because of of whatever's going on in his life. He's a, he's a person that has come to the point where he said, there, in a cynical way, there probably can be nothing. There's probably nothing good that can come out of this situation. This is a man that's come to a point where he has just accepted the fact that it's all bad. Okay? This is just my impression, and this is the way I'm reading this. And he says, what? How, do you know, how do you know me? How do you know me? What do you know about me? How do you know me? Who are you? And Jesus answered, and before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Think about that for a minute. Okay, the words here that are being used in the Greek, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And this is the word in the Greek that is a word that describes knowledge that's just knowing something about someone on the surface. What do I know about Wesley? I know he likes archery. I mean, I know Wesley pretty well. You look at Wesley and think, okay, what do we know about Wesley? Well, we know he likes archery, he's this and that. What do you know about? Well, I know what he likes on Facebook. I know what you know what team he likes. He's a you know, and, and uh, we know all this about because Facebook has already declared all of this about him on social media. But here is a different kind of knowledge. Jesus says, when you were before Philip called you, before Philip called you, before human agency or human human intervention came into the picture, I saw you. And that word saw is this, is this word that we like in the Greek, which means to perceive, to discern. I saw you. I saw you more than just knowledge. I saw you more than what is just appearing in your life. I saw you in a very deep way. I saw you in a very deep way. And this is this Greek word, E-I-D-O. I don't know how to pronounce it because I'm not a Greek scholar. But I saw, I saw you. Let's think about that. First question would be, what was happening at that fig tree? What was going on there? Why was that even? Why was that even important? You know, whatever whatever was happening there, whatever however bad it was, or however important it was to Nathaniel, it was a moment that was really important for Nathaniel. It was very significant. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it was something horrible that was happening to him. Maybe it was a decision in his life where he just decided something. And he says, from this time on, it's going to be this way. It's like Sarah was saying that, you know, that you know, New Year's Eve, I was sick at home and I made that decision. And that was just a, an earmark decision. Or it's just a moment in time that was very significant for Nathaniel. Nobody knew what was happening in Nathaniel's mind except for Jesus at that moment when he was under the fig tree. And this is very important because here is Jesus saying, when you were under the fig tree at that moment, we don't know when that was. Uh, some say that, okay, Philip goes to the fig tree and there's Nathaniel. We don't know when that moment was. It could have been when he was a kid, or it could have been that moment in his life where nobody knew about it. And he said, I saw you. I saw you. There's something about the voice of Christ when he, when he calls Paul. And he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, Jesus calls Peter, James, and John. 
just the call of Jesus Christ, his voice, does something to these men that they that they forsake their careers. They leave their they leave their money. They leave they leave whatever is important to them. This was a family business. Some people believe it was a family business that was with Peter and James and and they were all they were these fishermen and they leave it all because there's something about Jesus' voice that says when he speaks there's some traumatic transformation uh, that happens. And then Nathaniel answered him in verse 49 and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Isn't it amazing? There's a revelation in Nathaniel's mind. And where did that come from? Let's go back to what Jesus said. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And when we think about God seeing us, you know, I think that that could be very scary for some people. Like, oh no, God is seeing what I'm doing. Uh, God, you know, God sees all, you know, and there's nothing, all things laid bare before the omniscience of God, and, and, and there's this, like, there's this fear, but you know something? For Nathaniel, this was a moment where he was being uh, encouraged, he was being spoken to by Jesus Christ, and he says at that moment, he understands that this is something, this is something more than Nazareth, this is something more than just a man. There's something more than anything else, but this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the King of Israel. What happens here? There is a moment where Jesus has intimacy with Nathaniel. When we look at this word intimacy, it's from a Latin root, which is intus, which, which means basically that this, that which is most in us, that which is most in us. Think about that for a second. That which is most inside of us. That which is, is inside of us. This word is from the 1640s, uh, etymologically, and it has a sense of, of, of physical, marital intimacy, but it also talks about uh, knowing the deep things of a person. So there's three things I just want to mention briefly this morning. Number one, deeply seen. Deeply seen. Jesus deeply sees Nathaniel. Deeply understood, Jesus understands the thoughts of Nathaniel. And deeply loves, deeply loved. Jesus deeply loves Nathaniel. This is our Christianity, and this is what God has called us into. And this is what people dearly seek. This is what people really seek. This is what we really seek. And there are two things that are happening. There are these. There are the depths of you and I. The depths of you and I are, are, are. We are very deep people, and we are more than physical. We are soulish, but we also are more than soul. We are spiritual. Amen. Every one of us has a spirit. When we look at people and we talk to people, we have to understand that there is a spiritual part of them. And if they don't know Jesus Christ, then that spiritual part of them is. It's empty, it's inactive, it's not engaged, it's not renewed. And there's a major, major blindness in their life, and there's a major, major uh, deficit in their life. In the depths of a person, when we are not, when we do not understand uh, what the Spirit is, and just, just during this, this series, I'd just like to, uh, my prayer is, is that we would grow in our understanding that our relationship with God is spiritual not physical only, and it's not soulish only, but it's very deep and very spiritual. Um, 
the depths of man. You know, I think, have you ever been in a situation where where there is this low hum somewhere and you don't, you don't even recognize it and you just, you hear it and then suddenly when it's turned off you realize, oh, there was a, there was a low hum there. That happened to us recently. Our neighbor has a generator and uh, one morning I got up and the generator was running for some reason and it was just running, running, running. And then when you shut it off, it got quiet and I realized Wow, there was a noise going on in the background. There was this low hum. This can go on inside of our soul. There can be a low hum. It could be like a nagging sound. It could be this noise. And I like to call it, I've heard it called before, psychic noise. Psychic meaning like a noise in the soul. Nathaniel had this psychic noise. He had this noise in his soul of discouragement. <clears throat> Um, of disappointment, of, of, of fear, or whatever he was going on, we don't know, but I think it made him a very cynical person. And this was a low hum. The low hum in a person's soul can be a low hum of fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of how this is going to turn out. I'm afraid to trust these people because I don't know if I'm going to get disappointed again. I'm afraid that I'm afraid I'm going to succeed and that I'm not going to know what to do with my success. Actually, there's a fear of success. Actually. That's why people can live in a self-sabotaging way. Like they get to a point and they begin to succeed and they just have the wrong self-image and they don't understand who they are as a new creation and they just say, I can't do this. I think Peter had this moment where he was walking on the water, he was succeeding, and then he was like, oh my gosh, I'm walking on the water, and he begins to sink. That's a low hum in the back, in the back, in the back of our mind of fear. How about this? Um, Hey, life is good right now, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's just not the mind of God. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what that means? For those that don't know what it means, it's like somebody's sitting on the bed, they're taking their shoes off to go to bed, they throw one shoe onto the ground, and if you're a person that is very scrupulous and you're living down under, below them in the apartment below, you hear the one shoe drop, and you can't go to sleep until you hear the other shoe drop. Okay? <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop, and then when the other shoe drops, and that's reality, we can all rest. And this is this kind of fear where people say, well, life is going good, but I know the bad is coming. I said, I know the bad, the bad is coming. It's like these conspiracy theorists, you know, things are going great, but it's all go bad. <laughs> Get ready for that, start prepping. How about guilt or shame? Guilt, shame, shame, shame. It's just not God's, shame is not the language of God. Here's another kind of low hum is loneliness. Loneliness, where I am alone. I remember living in Poland. I was single. Uh, I lived in an apartment. I was, we were very busy there. We were doing a lot of things, traveling. And I'd come home at night to my apartment. It was a very small place. And I would just, I'd be in my apartment. And it would be every Friday night. I don't know what it was, but every Friday night I would have this terrible struggle with loneliness. I just feel, I feel so alone. I don't know why. Why would, why would be? But I was. I feel, and like, you know, everybody's with their families, everybody's doing things, people are doing stuff, but I am by myself. And I just sense this loneliness. And I remember, like, you know, it just gnawing, it was this low hum, this gnawing feeling. And then, and then there could also be another level of, of low hum in it, in it, and it could be this, and it actually is this. Nobody understands or nobody really knows me. 
nobody really knows me. This is in every human being. Uh, this is there. This is part of our. This is part of our makeup because there's a part of us that cannot be known or understood by people. Yes. And it cannot. And I'm just kind of speaking a little like deep here, maybe a little subjective or psychological. There's a part of you and I that nobody could ever know. And it's part of us that cannot be understood. It's part of us that cannot be counseled by people or by things or by situations. It's like Marcus was singing today, give me Jesus. Like that. It's just Jesus is, is like, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But there's a part of us that is that, that if I enter into a relationship or enter into a situation or enter into something, and I'm demanding from people to fill that part of me that cannot be known, or that cannot be understood, or cannot be identified with, then that puts a lot of pressure on the relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And this thing can be a low hum in somebody's mind. Like, I, okay, I, I, nobody understands you, nobody knows you, I need to get married. Okay, so you get married. You realize, okay, your mate's fallen. Your, your mate is a fallen being, and uh, you are too. And uh, they're not going to fulfill all of your deepest needs because the deepest needs cannot be fulfilled by any person or thing or by the system. And when we learn that, we are that's just such a great lesson to learn. Because for some reason, we look at the system, we look at the world, and we think, okay, there's something about that. There's something out there. There's somebody out there on the other side of the world. I just need to connect with them on social media or I chat with them in some chat room somewhere and discover somebody that's going to really minister to me and really discover who I am, but we discover in the end that that person really does not know you, and you are again, uh, it seems like you are alone. There's a part of us that no one can know or understand, and nor can we expect people to do so. But the verse, there's a Bible, that, Bible verse that talks about this in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11, from who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. Who knows? There is someone that knows us. And this is where intimacy comes in. There is a part, there is the spirit of man, this part of you that knows what's going on in that part of you that nobody knows. Does that make sense? There is a part of you that is indexing. You know how when a computer indexes something? I don't know if you know what that is. You know, I, I have this on my computer. Uh, we installed something. It's just, and it's, and it's sometimes up in the upper left-hand corner of this indexing. What it's doing is it's going to the entire memory of the entire computer and learning and deciphering and breaking things down to understand a voice. So when you do a search, you're not waiting for the, 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 the laptop to search every bit of data in your computer. It already has that all pulled up ready to be accessed. The Holy Spirit, the, I'm sorry, the spirit of man, your spirit, that third part of you, your tripart being, knows every part of you. It knows the deepest part of your body and your and your soul. It knows it knows the way you think. It knows your uprising. It knows your downsing. It knows, as it says in the book of Psalms, it knows every aspect of you and I. And that part of us knows that part. The funny thing is, is that we in our soul, and I hope this doesn't get too complex for you, we in our soul do not know ourselves the way our spirit knows us. For example, I'll just repeat this. Your physical body is that part of you that knows the world that you live in. It enjoys pizza or it enjoys gluten-free food 
or it enjoys this or that, enjoys swimming, enjoys, enjoys this kind of weather, my favorite kind of weather right here, I love this air, 50 to 70, and I, I could be happy as a clam right there. 50 to 70 degrees, that's physical. That's, that's, that, our physical body is a part of us that is aware of the world that we live in. The soul of this is that part of us that's aware of ourselves. It's aware of our needs and our opinions. It's, our, it's what we're thinking, it's what we're deciding, it's the direction we want to go in. It's self-determination. It has a lot of, there's a lot of things that it's self-aware. And it is, it's deeper than our physical body. A lot, of Christianity, a lot of Christianity happens in our soul, in people's soul. People don't even realize it. Then there's a deeper part of us, and there's that spirit which is the very depth of who we are. If it's the spirit man, your spirit knows what's going on all over you. The problem is that many times we live in a world of world consciousness and self-consciousness, and we never discover, we never, and forgive my, uh, I know this term is used in the wrong way, but we just never know ourselves. We just never get to know ourselves. Because we live in a world of self-awareness and, and world consciousness, but we never get to know ourselves in a spiritual way. How do we change that? How does that change? How does that change? Well, there is a longing in us, in every human being, not on a soulish level, but on a spiritual level, to be known. There is this deep desire. There is this deep desire to be known. I desire to be known. I, I desire to be understood. I desire to. Um, to be able to even express what I'm thinking. Because sometimes we have these feelings we can't even express them. And there's a, there's a breakdown between, uh, there's a breakdown inside of us. And there is a fracture, there's a disconnect, there is a, um, there's a fault line shift. Where is, the, where is the answer? Nathaniel's in this place. Nathaniel had these desires of purity and simplicity. Nathaniel had this desire of, of um, genuineness and he had this desire of trust and love and beauty and he had all of these desires as a, as a Jewish man, as an Israelite he had these things built inside of him yet there was some kind of an earthquake or some kind of a tectonic shift in his soul where the fault lines were shifted and things are disconnected and now he's living in this disconnected state where he's, where he's cynical he's upset He's, he is like, he's just not a believer. He's very critical and very skeptical of everything. And this is where a lot of our society lives today. And this can happen inside of us, but that's okay. It's okay. If we're in that state, it's fine. God's not asking you to change. We are what we are by the grace of God. If we are a mess, we are a mess. Jesus comes on the scene and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't go... Jesus doesn't come up to Nathaniel and give him a psychoanalysis of what's going on in this soul. Praise the Lord. None of us need psychoanalysis. Because we try to do that on ourselves, we just wind up with more questions. We don't even know like, what's going on. I don't even know. Paul said this. He goes, he goes, he said this to the Corinthian church that was judging him. The church that he planted, by the way, is judging him and criticizing him. And he says, it's a very small thing, Corinthians, that you are judging me for. I do not even judge myself. Isn't that an awesome thing? Paul's like, like not even living in any form of judgment of himself. Because I don't even judge myself. He goes, even if I tried to judge myself, I wouldn't even come to the correct conclusion because it's all subjective. It's all soul. So I don't judge myself. And, that, 
And this is really the, this is really a step towards freedom and deliverance from the mess that's in our soul. I spent the first half of the message talking about the mess, and I just want to talk now about the 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 the, the, um, the solution. That Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus does not. Same thing with Gideon. Gideon is the same situation in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. <clears throat> comes as Nathaniel, a true Israelite, and a man without deceit. A man that's not, a man that's not broken with deceit. And he's like, what? <laughs> of course I am. He goes, maybe under the fig tree, he's struggling with a lot of stuff. Maybe he's coming to that conclusion, like, I'm going to be this kind of person for the rest of my life. I'm never going to believe or trust anyone, whatever it was. And so Nathaniel comes to this point where he says, what? How do you know me? How can you say that? You don't even know me. You know nothing about me. You know, come to church and you hear the gospel. You hear grace. You hear finished work. And, and the first thing many times, first thing many times is that we react. We're just going to react to it. You're going to be like, What? This can't be, because it's tearing away a lot of layers that we put there to protect ourselves, to protect the vow that we made so we would never be injured again. Okay? And, then, and by the way, in the, in the South here, in the Bible Belt, I think we're dealing a lot with that, you know? There's a lot of, like, layers because people feel comfortable being unknown. Nathaniel was in a place where, okay, I'm unknown, and I'm, I'm not going to be discovered, and I'm kind of comfortable with this. And here comes... Philip talking about something awesome and beautiful and an awesome man that we've been truly all been waiting for as Israelites, but yet he has not come, and we haven't heard from God for 400 years, and there's all this trouble in Israel right now, and now Philip's talking about this, and it's all this hope and joy and love is coming at me, and yet I can't believe it because I've been so disappointed and so hurt so many times, I'm going to react, what could, and then he insults Jesus Christ, and he insults his city. So, like, when you share the gospel with people, when you start loving on people, get ready for the insults. <laughs> get ready for the pushback. Get ready for the anger. Because realize and understand that that's not that person. Jesus is not looking at Nathaniel and saying, Nathaniel, you deceitful, cynical, nasty guy. You're just such a, such a, just throwing water on everybody's party. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes and he says to Nathaniel, because true is your life. And a man without the seat. What is Jesus seeing? He's seeing something that nobody else is seeing in Nathaniel. He's seeing something that Nathaniel doesn't see in himself. Because Nathaniel doesn't know himself. Did I lose you guys? Am I? No. Okay, Nathaniel doesn't even understand himself. And that's where we are today. We might be a Christian for a hundred years, a thousand years. And there's things that we don't know about ourselves because we're just really complex people. And we don't understand ourselves. And we don't need psychoanalysis. We just need what we're going to talk about here in a second. There's this longing to be known, and we bring that to the table in every relationship. And we need to understand that. We have relationships with other people in our marriages and with our kids. There's this deep longing to be known. There's this deep longing to be known. And this is what David talks about in Psalm 42, verses 7 through 12. He says, deep calls into deep. When you think about that, it's like the songs that we sang. When you think about that verse in the light of the song that we just sang about the oceans, it's really amazing. David writes this psalm, and I know I'm going kind of long here, but I just take your time. I feel like I need to rush here. But Psalm 42, David is in part of Israel where he's not very far from Mount Hermon, and he's not very far from the Jordan River. There's a lot of discussion in, in, in um, 
scholars, they discuss where he was and everything. But in short, it's probably what's probably happening is, is that um, we know that David is going through a very hard time. And things that God has allowed in his life are coming down hard on his head like waterfalls. You ever stood underneath a waterfall? Or stand underneath <coughs> a waterfall? And you get the water just crashing on your head. Actually, some waterfalls can literally break you. I mean, some waterfalls can be so great that you just actually crush your head. And David is saying, he said, he said, all of your waves and billows are crashing over me. And billows here are like, sometimes they are the piles of rocks that collect because of waves and, and water movement. And he says, I'm being pounded into the rocks. I remember we were in Hawaii, and uh, you know, Hawaii is made up of, it's a volcanic island, of course, and there's some parts where you go to the beach and it's just like all this volcanic rock and black rock, very sharp. And um, there's a sign there, there's a picture, <laughs> really kind of a comical picture, of a wave coming up and there's a guy doing this, and there's rocks there and he's being crushed on the rocks, and it's kind of comical when you look at it. And so I was there, and it's just like, you know, I was at one of these locations and I had kind of walked down from, from off the green into the, you know, to walk down here, I had my flip flops on. Actually, I didn't have my flip flops on. And I walked into the water, and these waves are coming, but when they come, they come with so much force that they literally slammed me against the rock and I cut my arm, nothing really serious, but I thought, wow, the power of those waves sometimes can be underestimated. David's saying that life is coming at me and it's throwing me against these rocks and I'm being dashed on these rocks and it's just being so painful, things are happening to me. And he says, but something else is going on. He's saying there's depth, there's deep calling into the deep. And if you look at that, it's kind of a cryptic verse, but it points back to the book of Genesis. And Without getting into it, it's talking about uh, Genesis chapter one, I think it's verse six, in day two of creation, where where the, the, the where God has separated the firmament and from the waters. I know I'm getting really complex here, but just follow me. When God separated the, the canopy, the water canopy, and and, and the, the oceans, and he put the expanse in there, Genesis chapter one, verse six. He's talking about the communion that's the water waters and the canopy that have with the waters of the ocean that was this deep communion that was happening and then was separated because of the expanse that God put in there. David's just saying that the depths of God, the depths of heaven, the depths of, uh, of all of God is, is calling out to the depths of who David was. And at the same time, David was crying out to God. The depths of David was crying out to God. And there was this communion going on through the expanse. Simply put, is that David is saying that in the midst of these destructive, painful, uncomfortable situations, there's deep communion. God is speaking, and I'm speaking back to God. There is a conversation that your spirit and that your heart is always having with God, even when you're sleeping. There's this conversation going on, and it's like it's kind of like sometimes you sometimes we understand it. And I don't want to sound mystical or weird. Sometimes we understand it. Sometimes we don't. But it's Romans chapter 8, the spirit witnesses that our spirit that we are sons of God. And when we don't know how to pray in Romans chapter 8, the spirit is praying with groanings that cannot be uttered. And our spirit is responding to that and is praying with. Does that make sense? There's a part of you and I that are connected with God. And that's our spirit. That's our spirit. That's our, that's our new creation. The deep calls into the deep. This is what Nathaniel was craving for. This is what I think people here are. Texas and spring are craving for real connection. This is what you and I are craving. 
And when we don't have it, there's this dissatisfaction, there's this unfulfillment, and we are tempted to go into the world, tempted to go into things that are going to try to feel that we satisfy only on a soulish or physical level, but the spiritual level rests unsatisfied. Here's the second part, and I'm going to close with this, the depths of God. You know, the depths of man and the depths of God. You know, the depths of God are, are, are in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And he's talking about these things that cannot be known, cannot be perceived, cannot be seen, cannot be, you know, we, this is what the world tries to do. It tries to, through technology, uh, fill that void. And technology cannot fill the void. Information cannot fill the void. Information is awesome. Information can define, it can actually throw light on things, but it doesn't give any answers. And intimacy uh, can, cannot be created because of information. And, and just ask Apple and Google and Facebook how intimate the world is getting with all this information about people. It's just not, I mean, information about things does not create intimacy. First Corinthians 2 verse 10 says, These things have God revealed to us through the Spirit, capital S, His Holy Spirit. <clears throat> For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Look at that. There are things that you and I don't know about God. You know, there are things that we don't know about God. We have questions about the universe and all of these questions that we have about the will of God and all of these things that human beings ask an eternal infinite God. Yet the Holy Spirit has searched it all out. The Holy Spirit knows what God's going to do. The Holy Spirit knows the plan. The Holy Spirit knows the Son. The Holy Spirit knows the end game of God. The Holy Spirit knows what's on God's mind. The Holy Spirit knows what's happening. And let me ask you, do we have the Holy Spirit in us? Of course we do. That Spirit is in us. And this is, what, this is what Paul says. He says, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. In verse 12, now we have not received the Spirit of the world, <clears throat> but the Spirit who is from God. We have received this past tense. We have received this. This is something that we have received from the salvation. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. I love that word sealed because when you seal an envelope, <clears throat> nothing else can go in that envelope. <clears throat> there is nothing else that can go in there. There's God in us. God is in us. God is filling us. And there's no room for anything else. The Holy Spirit is in us. And that, that Spirit who is from God, that we might understand, that we might, is a purpose clause, meaning this is God's divine purpose in this, that we might understand things freely given to us by God. That's Christianity right there. That's what God wants us to be doing. That's what God wants. God doesn't want us to be doing anything else or occupied with anything else but to discern those things that are freely given to us by God. That's my mission for my life. That's my mission for every day. That's my mission for this service is that we might know what you guys do in church all day, well, that we might know those things that are freely given to us by God. Can you imagine a life, your life is the your whole life is just discovering something that you've already been doing. <clears throat> it's like this little rich kid that gets that gets born into a family, and his family is rich beyond measure, and he is just so rich, and his whole life is just all about discovering what he has coming to him. That is our life. Yes, does the world beat against that? Does the world push against that? Does the spirit of the world push against that? Because we are made in the image of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, 
But our mission, our calling, is that we might, for ages to come in Ephesians chapter 2, may discover <clears throat> the riches and the wealth that we have in Christ Jesus. This is our life. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were just telling me about somebody in their family that just kind of just is, has left Christianity, has left everything, and has gone into the world. And they said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being understood by them. That's just for a season. It's going to come to a point where they don't really understand that person, and that person's going to discover that they have spiritual need that only God can fill. Um, whenever we sense that need, whenever we discern our soul, we sense deficit, or, or we sense uh, something missing, understand that the flesh, no flesh can ever provide for that, and no soul can ever but only the Spirit of God. What is that Spirit? That's the Spirit of the new creation in one eye. <clears throat> that new creation, as I was thinking this morning about getting ready, that I don't understand who I am as a new creation unless I'm in fellowship in the body of Christ. Does that make sense? When you and I are in fellowship and we are interacting, like during the week, we just have some awesome times of fellowship or on Saturday or whenever we can. Like when I'm in fellowship, hearing Sarah's story or, or hearing hearing from you guys, that renews me in, the, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, that renews me in the, in the new self, it says in one translation, that is renewed after the knowledge of him who created us. When we are renewed, when we are quickened, when we are reminded, when we are stirred up, then we experience that feeling and that satisfaction that, you know something, I'm in a body of people that not always perfect, but there's something about us that is very satisfying to be in the midst of. And I know I'm talking a little cryptic this morning, maybe a little mystical, maybe a bit on the side of psychology, but I want us to understand that intimacy with God begins when I understand that I as Nathan may have all of my weird brokenness in my life, and I might discover at a very young age, but Jesus comes to me, he's saying, he, his conversation is different than his conversation is, you're an Israelite, and there's no deceit. What's he saying to the believer? You are a child of God, and there is no, you are blameless. Amen? You are created in Christ. You are brand new creation, and you are clean. You are a saint. And there's nothing lacking in your life. We don't need to approach our Christianity like, i got to work on this, i got to work on that. Okay, I've worked on that, and I've gotten this all taken care of. Great. <laughs> How long can that go? How long can that go? Sometimes the ways and the bills of life come, everything's out of control, so we can just discover it's Christ in our midst that is our satisfaction. Christ is in 